Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s, aka your childhood and adolescence. I am your co-host, Emily Bejen. And I'm your other co-host, Margot Poupard. Welcome. Welcome. Here we are, episode three. It looks like we made it three episodes without quitting, so that's really good. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I think so. I feel like we're on a roll, um, and I feel like... A huge part of the reason why we're on a roll is because we keep talking about things that we're very passionate about, and one of those things happens to be The Bachelor. Oh, yes. Emily and I became better friends because we are in the same Bachelor Fantasy League. Shout Um, out. I joined Rachel Lindsay's season because I knew two of the guys who were competing for her attention. The Waboom guy, which... I'm not proud to say that I know that dude. And then the sociopath, Blake, with him. Blake E. Blake E. Okay. (laughs) Blake E. There are so many white guys on this show that they have multiple Blakes. Wasn't it from Becca's season where they showed, like, Jason, Bentley, and, like, all the dudes, and they all sort of look like one anamorph of a white guy? Yeah, pretty much. It's so fucking crazy. Anyway, I knew Waboom and Blake E. Uh, Waboom dated a mutual friend, and then Blake E., the girl that he's, like, freaking out over, that's her. So, um, yeah, that's how I joined this league, for better or worse. And honestly, I think it's, for the best, it's nice mm-hmm. to be able to share a mutual... I feel like nothing get, actually gets you closer to a group of people than sharing a mutual disgust of something. And The Bachelor is our something. It's a good hate watch. So, I felt like today, one day removed from the two-part four-hour... Oh, dear God. Final Rose ceremony, um, where we watched another mediocre white man who has zero personality. Actually, I think uh, Allie Barthwell on Vulture put it best, two blind, I'm sorry, two blonde pine cones (laughs) not have sex and also not get engaged, and we had to watch a sad Chris Harrison once again kind of go through the motions of a Final Rose ceremony. So we thought this would be a good space to like sort of process our feelings about that finale and then also i looked at the premiere date of the bachelor 
uh, which was March 25th, 2002. So we're coming up on its 17 year anniversary. I'm bad yeah. at math. Yeah, yeah. Um, I- and <laughs> over the course of these 17 years, we have been watching mediocre white guys with zero game for 23 seasons and 242 fucking episodes. That's insane. Yes. It has spanned 26 countries. Oh my God. We've gotten five Bachelor spinoffs. Do you remember Bachelor Pad? It's like, it was like, Bachelor Pad is like uh, Bachelor in Paradise 1.0. I, like, I do thanks to Wikipedia. Yes. It was like the Colonel. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, is this Big Brother or is this The Bachelor? And the answer was kind of both. Kind of both. But they realized that at a certain point, like if you just get them all drunk in a tropical location, they'll definitely all bang each other with like very little the, coercion. The, this was like the wild, wild west time of reality TV. I mean, we still have trash, obviously. The show is still on. But I feel like there's a level of elevation we've reached as, as a society with reality a little bit. Um, but I think this was still, yeah, that wild, wild west of like, oh, how many spinoffs or hybrids or cross-pollination can we get in here during this year or two period? And even just, I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but I feel like discovering its premiere date sort of led us to go down this like reality competition of the early 2000s K-hole. Yeah. Because there were so many reality shows that were just incredible. The premise, just like who the fuck would agree to any of this? Right. But it was like you said, the Wild West. Everybody's like, you know what? Fuck it. Throw it, throw it to the wall. See if it sticks. If people like it, then we'll definitely make a hundred more of these. And if they don't, then we'll just chalk it up to bad taste and move on. I am convinced that a lot of this has to do with like politics and administrations in office. So like we get Survivor airs in two thousand, and this is where this like competitive reality. And I mean, there might have been some before, but the really first notorious one yeah. starts up. And this is, like, the beginning of the Bush administration. And it's just, like, the first, like, eight, you know, those eight years of the Bush administration, I think, is that period where we have these crazy-ass shows on TV. Just, like, what can we do to make, like, stupidity marry stupidity and, like, go balls to the wall on the insanity? I think, like, in some ways it kind of mirrors. I think you're totally right because I actually, I mean, getting just just a sidestep away from reality dating shows briefly – I just remember at some point in high school, like 2003, 2004, when The Apprentice was on and like yes. was at its height, a friend of mine who is probably like one of my few friends from high school that um, I talk politics with because we share very similar ideas. But I remember in high school, he was like, I can't, we, we cannot have Bush in office and then also The Apprentice. He's like, it's too much stupidity all at one time. And I feel overwhelmed. Foreshadowing. Oh yeah. No, John is a strangely a prescient person when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, who knew a little ginger would be good at this? But um, back to Survivor. Yeah. So what else did you find in your sort of waiting in the, well, waiting in this puddle? Yeah. So around this time, you've got Survivor. I think a limit, Amazing Race. I didn't check that date, but it starts airing around the same time. And then you get uh, the same year The Bachelor airs is the year American Idol premieres, and that was originally a pop idol as a British show. So that was on earlier. But you have all these like competition style reality shows which take that interview Q&A confession style booth that the real world you know started out with and puts it on this whole new level this whole new playing field of you know having a a competition alongside pitting people against one another so so again taking some of that real world stuff 
to heart, but, you know, you have these people getting eliminated every single week. And so then enter The Bachelor. That comes on and... Well, right before The Bachelor, though, we have... Oh, yeah. Who wants to marry a multimillionaire? This is important because it is Mike Fleiss's very first dating reality show, and it aired on Fox. This was also a show that was surrounded by so much controversy that they sort of put a... um, they put it on ice, the idea of putting any more reality dating competition shows on this station because it had such crazy fallout. And I remember so much of it because it was reported on as if it were something very important. Like, like investigative. Wor- or like world news. <laughs> yeah. As if everybody was just waiting on bated breath to know what happened to who wants to marry a multimillionaire. Uh, so it was Mike Fleiss is an EP on it. Uh, it premiered on Fox in February of 2000 and it was one two-hour special, so basically part one of any current Bachelor finale. Yeah. Um, it was like Mystery Date meets a really gross beauty pageant, because that's pretty much all that it was. The millionaire, and again, keep, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, so we'll just, the millionaire Bachelor was Rick Rockwell. I don't believe that we were told very much at the time. We just had to, like, kind of, everybody had blind trust in 2000. Oh, so yeah. So if, if you were a random stranger on the street and you're like, I'm a millionaire, you'd be like, yeah, for sure. Because you don't have Google. You don't have an iPhone. You can't double check that shit. Of course. And, I mean, even on your sidekick, could you get a strong enough single signal to figure out if this no, person's no. really a millionaire? Let alone a multimillionaire. Virtual receipts were not a thing back then. I also feel like multimillionaire, I don't know, the verbiage is so bizarre. It really is. I don't really, really know why is. it needs to have the multi in front of it. Like, it should be fine. But anyway... The multi-millionaire bachelor, excuse me, Rick Rockwell, was hidden behind a curtain so you could only see the silhouette of him. And then, much like Drop Dead Gorgeous, you had 50 women, one representing each state, come out like a pageant. And they were trotted out and subjected to swimmer portions, a Q&A, all sorts of whatever beauty pageant trappings. And I believe it was whittled down as it went along. I like um, that there was a talent component to this. I know. That's, that's really fascinating. And uh, just like a whole, the <laughs> opening was like a huge performance that he watched. It was just a little creepy. But the I feel like it was one of the few or first like real, of this crop of reality shows. It was like one of the first that did the behind the curtain that we're so sort of used to now. Like on the current show, like The Proposal. And even The Fox had another one that was like that as well. Where it was like not married at first sight because that's also a very different reality show. But it was something to that effect where, like, you spent five minutes with this person, you had to, like, immediately decide if you'd get engaged. Anyway, at the end of this dating special show, uh, Rick Rockwell picked Darva Conger, which, as we noted earlier, is a name. That's a name. You, I will not soon forget it. No. Um, she no. was from California. They were married on the spot and won $100,000 and a bunch of random-ass prizes. And Conger also got a sizable engagement ring. So, I mean, you take out the money part of it. And a lot of it sort of has the similar trappings of, like, The Bachelor, of, like, the immediate love and marriage and, like, needing to force this sort of, like, heteronormative narrative on two fucking strangers who really are sort of maybe caught up in a moment and when the dust settles, how could this possibly sustain itself? You just brought up a really interesting point. The heteronormativity of it all and that, like... And the is, very whiteness. The I mean, very like, whiteness. It's yeah. very white and it's very heteronormative. Like, well, those, let's get those two things straight because this, this doesn't appeal to everybody. This whole concept of these types of competitions, it's interesting. We have this fictionalized thing on TV. The backdrop, meanwhile, in the world is that there are more interracial couples. People are meeting online. Like, all this stuff is happening in our changing progressive world. But then the show is echoing a very traditional role, like, 
heteronormative, very white, like very kind of almost 1950s cookie cutter. Exactly. I I mean, I think the most interesting thing is that, I mean, the show is on the decline, but it is still very popular for how outdated its views are. Yeah. I mean, I have the stats up here. At its peak, it was its second season. It it was watched, the finale of the second season was watched by 25 million people. No. Which is bonkers. (laughs) And even just like the week-to-week viewership was the strongest it had ever been. The second season in 2002 was incredibly popular. I don't know what it was. Maybe, like, the first season did pretty well, but the second season is it has the most bonkers number across the board for everything. But anyway, back to Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire, where we last left the lovebirds Darva Conger and Rick Rockwell. I mean, honestly, these people sound like fucking cartoon characters. Oh, um, it turns out, while Rockwell and Conger are on their honeymoon in Barbados, I'm assuming all expenses all expenses paid, it was quickly discovered that the phrase multimillionaire was used very loosely. Um, Surprise! Turns out Rockwell had barely hit the $200 million mark, Like, and it was really that in all of his assets combined it was that, but he had maybe $750,000, which is still more money than you and I have. Yeah. But again, we're not running around calling ourselves multimillionaires no. and tricking women into marrying no. us. So notice the distinction. Um, media outlets also found out where he lived and were really surprised to see it how like basic and plain it was. And even in a sort of like Geraldo Rivera going into what's his face? The mobster in Chicago. Oh, Jimmy Hoffa? No, the no. other one. Um Gotti? No, that's New York. Al Capone. Al Capone's <laughs> cave. It was treated with that same amount of seriousness, which means it's ridiculous. They found a toilet in the backyard, and yeah. everybody was scandalized by it. It was breaking news, as if it was the Menendez brothers' case. <laughs> like, it was kind of weird how much attention was put on it. But not only that, the Smoking Gun, RIP, a great website, mm-hmm. uh, discovered that Rockwell had uh, a restraining order against him from his former fiance in the 90s because he had stalked and assaulted her after she had broken off their engagement. Also, his background was a little sus. He had said that he had quit stand-up comedy in the 90s, but it turns out he was doing stand-up even as recently as 1998. But he had quit stand-up comedy to become a motivational speaker. So I suppose that's where he made his multi-million dollars. Uh, When they had gotten back from Barbados and Conger discovered all of this, she quickly had their marriage annulled, got her check by selling off her ring and getting rid of all of the other prizes that they had gotten together. Good, Good for you, girl. Yep. And because they, she went on a bunch of interviews and definitely repeatedly said that their marriage was not consummated, that they had stayed in separate bungalows when they were on their honeymoon. And uh, because of that, she was getting it annulled. It was annulled quickly. Well, maybe, I believe it was a year later. I didn't write down the date. But she had also re- had been on the Today Show so many times that she had pissed off Matt Lauer. So. Yeah. I mean, all around, I feel like Darva Conger comes out the winner. Who even knows what Rick Rockwell is up to? Definitely missed his calling as being like a DJ of top 40 hits. That's for one thing. Absolutely. But that was the precursor to The Bachelor. Yeah. Fascinating. It's just sort of just a different time. I mean, I definitely remember watching the show, and it felt like it was definitely a moment where it was those water cooler moments that producers try to make now with current TV by having... Chris Harrison tells for the umpteenth time that this is the most dramatic season that he's ever seen. I mean, dude, you've been doing this 
for 17 years. How is this, how is it always the most dramatic season? That's crazy. And, and you know, it's gotten so formulaic at this point that we can have a fantasy league the way we run a sports league and know immediately who fits what archetype and what, how shit's going to play out. Like that's, that's not a reality show anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's come, Mike Weiss has come right out and said it a couple of times yeah. that, you know, this isn't, this is less about somebody finding love and more about just being entertaining. But when Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire had initially aired, I just remember everybody in my apartment building was watching this fucking show. And it was all anybody could talk about. And that's why it was so rampant, the coverage of this dude that, like, you didn't know anything about him, but we had all blindly trusted him and, like, what's going to happen? And turns out he's a scam. And, I mean, another perfectly innocent scam, because we both love a very innocent scam where no nobody gets hurt except for rich people. Right. Um, but, I mean, the backlash was so great because they also got it from national women's organizations who had called it sexist and outdated to have it be pageant form, that Fox was, like, not interested in doing any other romance reality show. So it makes sense that they would come out with an American Idol that's a little bit more aspirational than something that's sort of designed to pit people against each other. The irony, though, here is that ultimately the way Idol gets casted, I mean, you have to have some level of talent, but the way Idol gets casted is the same way The Bachelor gets casted. Like, you have to have a sob story. You have to have some sort of angle to come in to make uh, waves on a show. Like, on an Idol, you could have a gorgeous voice, but if you haven't suffered at one point in your life, forget it. You're not getting on the show. Um, and same, I mean, same with The Bachelor. Like, you could be just, like, the most incredible man or woman or, or person in the world, and you're just not going to get on the show because you're not going to play well to what they want. Yeah, you definitely can't be nice is, is the thing. Oh, yeah. You can be quiet. Yeah. You can be boring, but you can't be nice. No. Niceness is not rewarded here. No. No, absolutely not. Carry so, on. Yeah, no. Don't cheat on my game. <laughs> I have a game, and I think she, Emily just saw we all just, of the answers. I, didn't, <laughs> I did not. Um, did we just thought, what we just talked about, though, with this, like, not being nice and, like, contestants and all that and, and having to have a certain, I don't know what, je ne sais quoi, uh, which should actually be je ne sais pas, but, like, anyway. I know. I, I, we <laughs> digress. Um, but we can it, dissect French idioms some other time. So absolutely. So it brings up something about the archetypes that essentially what has happened with The Bachelor and Mike Fleiss's production style is that we have very over the years we've gotten quite a few archetypes that we can very safely say are just like a standard um, thing of every single Bachelor season of every contestant. Because oh, I yeah. also think that they're they go through themes with certain Bachelors. Like the very first Bachelor was oh lord he also has a forgettable name no alex michel he was a 31 year old harvest business school student and he actually got onto the show not in a completely dissimilar way than i've heard other people have gotten onto flagship reality shows like real housewives of orange county it was very similar a friend of his just forwarded forwarded him an email of a casting call for they were looking for a guy that would date 24 women at once to potentially fall in love and get married and that's what he came and ended up doing. He ended up picking between Trista Ryan, who we know now as to be probably one of the more successful Bachelor slash Bachelorette alumni. Yeah. And he ended up picking Amanda Marsh. And that was like kind of like when we sort of started to see the very first signs of like what a production schedule for The Bachelor would look like because they ended up being on E.T. and they were in People and like they weren't, they didn't get engaged. They just decided to continue their re- relationship, which seems to sort of have set the tone for the kinds of 
proposals that we could come to expect in the future or lack thereof, I suppose, is the better way to put it. I mean, he set the trend. It wasn't like the very first Bachelor actually got engaged. Yeah. And the first couple of Bachelors after that didn't... All, all Two of them got engaged, the following two got engaged to their respective person, most notably Andrew Firestone and Jen Chef, because I remember Jen was a huge star. Everybody loved her. Everybody thought she was super nice, this, like, adorable surfer girl, and then he broke her heart because they, they got engaged and dumped her a couple weeks later. And, oh, actually, according to Wikipedia, before the show even aired. Oh, God. Um, and so she became the next Bachelorette, and that's how we got Bob... Guinea? Guinea? But this is how... So we started with a... We started with Alex Michel, who was, like, a nice businessman. And then so was Aaron Burgess. And Andrew Firestone was, like, a wine guy. So that was, like, a little bit of, like, I don't know, a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of, like, international cachet, I suppose. And then we get into Bob Curly Hair Afro. Um, or actually, it was more like a wet perm is yeah. like what it sort of looked like. And he was sort of, like, the Seth Rogen-y, like, he's not the cutest guy. And, like, he wasn't, I believe he was, I can't remember if he was on Trista's season or on Jen's season. But he was very, he was charming enough, and, like, the women really liked him. They didn't want to eliminate him, even though they weren't sexually attracted to them, to him. They really enjoyed his personality. They liked being around him. He was really easygoing and super goofy. And so that's why he was kept around. And so after that, they're like, oh, let's just get some, like, super nice, like, goofy dudes. And so we get to, like, Byron Velvick, who I believe is the Canadian sportscaster. Yeah. And then we start getting into, like, celebrity adjacent people like Charlie O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell's brother. That happens a lot. And like in contestants too later on down the line we have Jordan Rogers on JoJo's season. We also have Aaron, Lorenzo Lamas's yeah. daughter, Shane Lamas, who was on I forget which season, hold on, season twelve, Matt Grant. Um yeah, we had Brad Woman come back twice. So they there was also a point where they were very into like European guys. So Matt Grant oh, was yeah. British. Uh Lorenzo Borghese was Italian. Juan we, Pablo. Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo was Spanish. Yeah. So we they kind of like go through phases. Lately they've just been recycling bachelors for, or contestants from seasons past that they're like, Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Like bringing on Ari was truly perplexing, but that's more current, so I want to keep it kind of more in, like, the earlier part of Bachelor's life cycle, and we can get into the newer stuff as we get inch closer to how annoyed we feel about Colton's finale. Yeah. Um, but the very first Bachelor, I just find to be very interesting. It sort of set the tone in more ways than one. I'm sure, I don't know if that's what they had intended, that they wanted to leave it loose, because I felt like it stopped being less People still do it now. They don't propose all the time. They kind of make their own rules, and they seem to be fine with it. But it feels like the show doesn't want that. No. It would rather you get engaged and break up yeah. than not get engaged not at get all engaged, because yeah. it doesn't full-blown complete the fantasy. Honestly, I-, I think that The Bachelor would love more Ari situations in the sense that you propose, you get dumped, there's like some whirlwind romance, because they seem to really fucking eat up what happened this season with Cassie and this breakup. And oh, yeah. Chasing after oh, and yeah. jumping fences and being dramatic. Yeah. And, I mean, how many times did we have to see the fence jump segment? Like, uh, but we were it's, baited. But it was also undeniable that when he put on that stupid jacket with that Snoopy scarf, I was like, he's fucking jumping tonight. Oh, God. God. I know we had memorized this outfit well enough that we were like, oh, here, it's it's on now. Look, it's if on you show now. me the trailer yeah. 37 times, yeah. I will remember that. Yeah. But I, I, but I do want to build to how unhinged it has gotten because they didn't have final rose ceremonies. Or not, they did have final rose ceremonies, obviously, in the, in the very first seasons. But not in this, like, drawn-out, 
hours of filler. No. Fucking nonsense that we're subjected to. It was pretty much as straightforward as you can hope. It's actually... I feel like The Bachelor back then is sort of the way that The Bachelorette is now, which, quite frankly, I do enjoy The Bachelorette way more than I I enjoy The Bachelor, mostly because the men are so insane to me. Oh, my God. Some of them are... They're more petty than any woman I have ever met in my life. Just, like, the things that they do. But I also find that I laugh the most at them. Oh, yeah. More than, like, the women. The women, oh, yeah. it just sometimes it feels mean. I mean, you'll get into the interrogation tactics no, that they go through. Yeah. But sometimes it just feels a little bit, like, mean-spirited and... I mean, I can take a joke, and I don't. I don't believe there's such a thing as a villain edit. I feel like you gave them enough footage to make you a villain. Yeah. So no, dude, I don't know what you were expecting. Dude, and I appreciate it when people like lean into things like that, like Courtney Robinson, and even more currently Demi. Yeah. Like I think that that's great. Like embrace it because you you're fourteen fifty nine. Like that Sugar Ray album. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I read that one time. I didn't know that's why they named it that, but it was because they they were so self aware of their fifteen minutes of fame. Like God bless Mark McGraw. Yeah, and I would love, I mean, you touched on this before we even came in here, but making, like, a graph or some sort of Venn diagram of, like, maybe the reasons why you get into reality shows, like, in the early 2000s versus now and, like, what the crossover, I mean, the crossover is definitely fame. Yeah, so, like, in the early 2000s, was it, like, you're trying to get on this show because you want, like, a Nutrisystem deal or you want to be, like, another Anna Nicole Smith, like, trim spa, baby. Oh, my God. And that was... Do you like my daddy? <laughs> that was the predecessor to what we call sponsored content now, or spawn, hashtag SpawnCon. Or, yeah, so that, that was the flat tummy tea of its day. Yeah, Or yeah. those, like, appetite suppressant gummies. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's also dark. So doing a little research here, the, the first kind of uh, bachelor as contestant I can think of like it, it looked like one of the former contestants I believe it was either Bob or Alex Michelle did um, an ad for match.com that was going to oh it was for... Alex Michelle it was, was Alex a, Michelle he was, a, yeah. it was he a spokesperson I was going to say not even an ad me. spokesperson, spokesperson. Um, and then later to talk about some of the Bachelor spinoffs or weird uh, not spinoffs per se but kind of response shows you remember Joe Millionaire which is of course the premise is uh, Joe, who was in fact named Aaron, Evan Marriott, was a construction worker. <laughs> no relation to no, the hotel Marriotts. No. And I don't think they even played on that. That's the funny no, thing. No, that's the dumb thing. I you could have just kept totally, his name. Totally played on they that. They made it so... They were like, sweet, okay, sweet Marriott so we have... We have Joe Millionaire. It's a great name. It's his name's not Joe, They're... but his last name's Marriott. Let's completely disregard this and fact, not weave it in at all. Speaks so well to the demographic. Marriott family is actually Mormon families, which would just speak so fucking well to this demographic. We should have been producers this in is 2003. Ridiculous. Hire us. What's Hire happening? us. <laughs> um, anyway, but Zora, the girl who ends up winning Joe Millionaire, which is they end up splitting, I believe it was $1 million, 50-50. So obviously they don't stay together, but she ends up doing Nutrisystem. So that was uh, fascinating. Okay. And I remember um, her one line was like, I love chocolate, because I think she had like a Midwest accent. And it was like, I love chocolate. <laughs> So much, and Nutrisystem lets me eat chocolate. Like, it just, which was obviously not chocolate, but I well, digress. as Oprah and I would say, I love bread. And Oprah really does love bread. <laughs> I love bread. You love bread. We're oh. French. It's not our fault. I know. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, this, like, spawns, I mean, then that really just starts the beginning. And then, of course, Instagram happens. All the social media happens. And well, after... what else was there besides Joe Millionaire and I mean, oh, Multimillionaire? Wasn't there, there was... another... Oh, oh, more to love. More to love. Okay, so there was a plus-sized um, 
reality dating show and i remember reading what the casting call looked like for the guy it was a kevin james type like the guy from the queen of queens king of queens king of queens queen of queens <laughs> it's queen of queens <laughs> so it's just that like two leah remnants i would actually watch that. that would be the greatest show of all time like so but yeah, like the, the casting call was be Kevin James, <laughs> like a Kevin James type, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop esque, but here for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, there, there are all these other shows that that they try to make happen. At one point, the proposal is one more than one of the more recent ones, which is also on a live studio audience, all that kind of stuff. What is their obsession with like making you get married live? I, because I this, don't know. I mean. I didn't count it in the spinoffs at the top with my little stats breakdown, but also they've had multiple marriages televised. Yeah. Well, the only ones that have happened yes. have been televised. Yes. Including a Bachelor in Paradise one, right? Yes. There was Ev- yeah, Evan. Evan, the erectile dysfunction doctor. Oh, right. <laughs> or not doctor, but person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a doctor, but they, yeah, they, they, they televised it. And um, yeah, that was on. And it was literally during a Bachelor in Paradise season where they televised that. I think you're right. And yeah. then there was also Ashley Eyes televised proposal. Who is from Northern Virginia like me. Shout out. Oh, Lord. <laughs> But yes, more to love. Fun fact about Ashley I, though, quick. She went to the same high school where the producers of the OC, like, went to that high school to do for inspiration for the OC, in addition oh. to California. Oh. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Great falls. Yeah. She definitely fits that sort of type. Yeah. She'd be like the, she'd be the diversity hire on Laguna Beach. Oh, totally. Because she's a brunette. And <laughs> yeah, va- she's dark hair. Vaguely, I think she's Italian probably. Like, yeah. Sure. I mean, you're Italian. You're still white. I mean, oh, yeah. we're French, but we're still white. We're still white. <laughs> but, but for The Bachelor, that is ethnic enough. Oh, yeah. Or also for The Hills and OC, if you're a brunette and you're like tall, oh, you're our diversity hire. Yeah. Yeah. And conventional beauty. Yeah, unconventional. You have small boobs and brown hair. Uh, But good on her. Sure, sure. All right, carry on. Oh, man. Okay, so we had these other shows, and then one more that comes up is Finding Prince Charming, which is actually a show on Logo where it is um, a gay. Oh, did you watch that? No, I haven't. Oh, just a bunch of messy gays in Fire Island. It was kind of great. I watched the first couple episodes. I think Lance Bass produced it. Oh, good. But if we want to talk about contemporary weirdo spinoffs, there was uh, I Want to Marry Harry, where they, that was on Fox. Fox has made some questionable fucking dating shows. So they need to stop blaming 
the dating show that they air voluntarily themselves that they probably pay good money for and start doing some inward retrospection as to why these scummy dating shows end up on their channel. But I Want to Marry Harry, I watched all of that because I reviewed it for a an outlet that I used to write TV reviews for. And they hired a guy who looked vaguely like Prince Harry. He like sort of had freckles and he was a ginger and he had a British accent. And that seemed to be good enough for everybody else. And I believe at the end of it, the girl did catch on that he wasn't Harry, thank God, because I was really surprised that that wasn't more apparent as time went on. But they did a lot to try to, like, obscure his face. And, like, they did some fake-outs where they, like, had, like, a pretend Camilla or, like, a fake Charles or a fake William. It was just also poorly staged at a certain point. You're like, what the fuck is the point of any of this anyway? I do believe that it was canceled like sort of in the middle of it because I felt like there were some episodes that were missing and we kind of jumped right towards the end but another inexplicable dating show where you're forced to get engaged for arbitrary reasons yeah there were just some interesting ones I was trying to remember uh, some of the other ones I think one that it came to mind also for me was Beauty and the Geek which wasn't a dating one per se but it was like you had to pair geeks with beauties, and they had to compete right. against didn't one, one of Didn't a pair end up dating I or think, something I think they effect? did. And, and so I, I guess this one wasn't so much, like, uh, you know, ending in a proposal, but they would, like, end up with a final contestant or final couple or whatever. But it just got out of hand. I, I mean, and it still is, obviously, just insanity. <laughs> uh, but back to The Bachelor. Yes. I think it's become way more self-aware as time has gone on, and I think it's evident in the way that they describe people's jobs now. Oh, yeah. Because you started, we both started to kind of go through the archetypes that they have started to mold. I mean, they're, they basically templatized a lot of the quote-unquote characters slash contestants that we get, and I think that it's now becoming, the show has become sentient, and it's now sort of reflecting that in, like, the lower thirds. Like, we had a Hannah G this season who was a quote-unquote content creator and i know just like quote unquote twice in a row but she was a content creator it's like bitch me too what does that even mean there's like what kind of content lifestyle consultant wasn't there a guy from dallas like jojo season i think his job was lifestyle he was the one who was in the dallas that show oh dallas dates or something yeah. like millionaire dallas Some, dating something or something like, like that. that but he was he i think that was his job i have eligible al- bachelors yeah something that, like that that's one of them hipster was one one year that was uh, a job. I've always said, hey, LinkedIn, hear me out. The best marketing you could ever do or ABC could ever do is creating fake job titles on LinkedIn. <laughs> you click on it and it's an ad for the Bachelor franchise. Like, I've just done someone's job. I mean, that's a great RFP pitch. You should keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, but you have listed, like, second chance girl. I mean, they might as well write widow sometimes yeah. in the lower third of people's There's... title card because that has been an archetype. Since the dawn of time. Oh, my God. It's like, ah, uh, someone well, I died. Guess, someone divorced. Like, yeah, I yeah. think Emily is patient zero, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, Emily from, yes, her, so Emily, the Bachelorette from many, that was the first season I ever watched. And um, so she was married to a race car driver. He died. She's a widow with a child named Ricky, named after her husband. She's a Late girl. husband. Late husband. Ricky's a girl. And uh, so she is then becomes the Bachelorette. And um, she... One of the front runners, Ari, oh, God, um, 
who ends up becoming the bachelor later. Dude, is, you know what? I know we say ugh now, I but know. back then, like I rewatched that clip where he gets dumped in whatever foreign country they're in, and then he cries on that bench by himself because she's like, I can't do this because you're a race car driver. And they obviously hired him to trigger her oh, totally. and upset her. And also because they knew that she'd like him a lot. Probably because she'd probably she reasonably it would be reasonable for you to expect that she would project all of this shit with her late husband onto him. Yeah. But watching that scene, I was like, I remember thinking that Ari was cute. Yeah. Because oh yeah, I think her season. I was in college, and so I was like watching it with friends, and it was the first time I had rewatched or I had watched The Bachelorette since I had watched Trista's season because Trista was the first Bachelorette. I watched that whole season with my mom, and I just remember being so sucked in. I don't know what it was. I think I think a lot of it is like naivete and looking back in time, obviously with rose colored glasses. But I remember feeling so sucked in and was so just waiting on the edge of my seat to see who she'd pick. I mean, obviously Ryan was like sensitive, sweet, thoughtful firefighter from Colorado. And then there was the other dude, but he was also, and I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to look it up because that's why he's the other dude. Um, but he, I remember him being also hot and attractive, and I just remember being like, how do you pick between all these sweet, sensitive men? There are just like... I find it's as the time time has gone by, we root less and less for people on this show. Yeah, I think at this point you're just like, you're all of you are terrible and yeah. you all deserve each other. There's, and I mean, to just quickly circle back to like Emily's season though, because I was like, I'd watched Trista's season, nothing, and then Emily's season where she ends up picking Jeff with one what? F who shows up on a skateboard and throws it oh into the bushes diagonally without looking. He just also looked like a child. She looked yeah. like she was going to put him to bed. It, it, it didn't help that he was short, and then he also had a baby face, and I don't care if he's 26, allegedly, or whatever age he really is. I just did not believe all of that. No. And, and I felt like, because I didn't believe any of it, I was like, I'm fucking done with this show again. And not because this time I was like emo- so emotional over The Bachelorette, like, finding this dude and marrying him, and it's just too good, and then now I don't have cable anymore. But, but mostly because it felt formulaic for oh. the first time. Yeah, I mean, it, that, I think that I mean, really his family was allegedly digs for water in Africa, and then there was, like, that scan... Well, I wouldn't say scandal, but there was that news story that came out. It's like, they actually don't do that. No, of course not. Well, yeah. That's... No, I and it's like, it comes up a lot. I mean, it's just this... Uh, so, so there are a lot of, you know, people, like, like we said earlier, with Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire, who just, like, come in and say that there's this person or this thing, and turns out they are absolutely not. And then, of course, you know, going back to what with Emily, like, the second chance girl, I mean... The other thing that should be brought up with these archetypes is that thanks to editing, some of these people that you immediately think are going to be someone you're going to root for and you're you're on their side and how could this person look like an asshole? Um, thanks to what is called frankenbiting, they come out looking terrible. Right. Absolutely terrible. And to go into like what frankenbiting is... So I didn't know this term until I was doing all this research, and basically what it means is uh, it was ter- coined around like 2005-ish. It's when producers are bored with whatever footage they've been getting on a reality TV show, so they manipulate it to make it look like way more dramatic than it actually is. And I think the ultimate extreme of that was during Chris Sewell's season, you had uh, Kelsey, who was a widow, um, and she her husband died of congestive heart failure. On the surface, this seems like the the contestant you would root for the most because she is your second chance girl. She is nice and all this stuff. Well, it's that they like capital B bin capital T through capital I it. Yeah, of course. And so you are rooting for this person. And then, of course, 
she says things like, apparently things are getting kind of crazy, people are getting rooted off, and so she at one point says to the cameras, quote, this is the turning point week where you really have to, like, just get down to brass tacks so I know what I need to do, end quote. And then she proceeds to go take Chris on, like, some spend some one-on-one time with him and tell him about her husband dying of congestive heart failure. And even though I'm sure, and then later after telling that, there's, you know, cut to them hugging and kissing about this. Like, she in the interview is just like, isn't my story amazing? I remember that because I remember being haunted by that clip that I saw. Oh, my so I was God. Like, this is, the show is deranged. Yes. Yes. And, and, and while I'm sure even without the production, like, it was awful the way she said it. But because of this Frankenbiting and this production edit and everything, she comes off, a widow has come off as the villain on this show. And that's, that's what you get with Frankenbiting and the Bachelor franchise. You get... A normal, otherwise perfectly normal, smart, run-of-the-mill human turns into a monster. I mean, the same could be said for most reality competitions. Oh, you can sort of see it, like, on a top model or even, like, on a drag race. But I feel like, again, this is somebody coming in and also playing the game because this is people becoming more aware of the stakes. Like, for example, the DJ who showed up with the dog this season. Oh, God. Who was like, oh, can I steal you? Oh, can I steal you? Like, constantly cutting in on other people's dates. On purpose. Yeah. But she was smart. She realized, oh, she I am the oldest person here, which is not to say that she was old at all, but when you cast a bunch of 22-year-olds and two 30-year-olds, you're going to be the oldest person in the fucking room. Uh, There's not really, that's just how age works. Anyway, so she knew what to do to maximize her screen time to increase her likability of gaining Instagram followers, of getting SpawnCon, of possibly starting a podcast, like, or whatever else deals that they get, getting on Bachelor in Paradise. Because also, The Bachelor has created literally its own industry, its own ecosystem, similar, I don't mean to keep bringing this up, but similar to Drag Race, which now Drag Race is its own cottage industry. You have multiple days-long conventions that are going down in L.A. and in New York that sell out, and all of the tickets sell out. VIP tickets. Yeah. Regular fucking yes. tickets. Queens sell out of merch. Like, they have long-ass lines for meet-and-greets that cost money. Like, The Bachelor is very similar, except you... they dabble in SpawnCon and, and, and followers and online clout, and also it behooves you to stay in the mix. Like, yeah. I ran into this problem trying to come up with this Bachelor game where I wanted you to guess who was still together and who wasn't. But the problem is, The Bachelor exploits every couple that is even marginally successful. Yeah, so you Because remember. there aren't very many of them. No, there aren't. And there are more that come from The Bachelor than The Bachelor, which should tell you something, which is that women do everything better. Right. No, absolutely. And I think what's interesting is, yeah, if you make it, what I've realized is kind of like, I remember watching the Tanya Harding documentary, and there's a point here. Uh, the Tanya the Harding. 30 for 30? Yeah, the 30 for 30. Oh my god. Where she talks the about- The Price of Gold? The Price of Gold, which is- Fantastic. Brilliant. Watch it. Oh, my Beautiful. God. Beautiful. I, I rewatch it regularly. I watch it at least once a year. I, oh, my God. Every time, or anytime the Winter Olympics roll around, I watch it twice. It's so amazing. Tanya Harding was smart, though. She knew that if she won... Plausible a, deniability. <laughs> she won a gold medal. Allegedly. She was, she was set for life. She right. would have sponsorships. Around, and this is just like this. On the Bachelor, in the Bachelor franchise, if you make it to at least top five, six, seven, eight, like, if you make it up there... If you make it out of the first night... Exactly. And you have a thing... That's... Like, I honestly would be very... Well, I guess you don't know what she looks like, but I'd be very curious to know what kind of offers Sloth Girl got. Oh, Alex D. Sloth. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we'll have to check out her Instagram after this. (laughs) But the thing is, you are set for 
for the next five years. Yes. <laughs> if by life, that would probably be, because we don't know what Instagram's going to look like in five years. Sure, but if you have a liberal arts degree that you haven't done very much with, this is the place for you. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's like what we said earlier, like if you get on, you get on with your story, but then you stay because of your drama and your angle, and you know very quickly what archetype you're going to play into, and so if you're relatively smart, which all the girls, not all, but almost all the girls are to an extent. I think they all know how to play the game, and oh, I think yeah. it became very apparent when there was bachelorette talk bandied about the house that's never really happened before and it's not necessarily shocking like no i know for a fact they all talk about it oh of course because who's going to be the bachelorette nine times out of ten it's somebody picked from this past season that we just watched and right. you have to be you have to be somebody that everybody likes that they want that they were rooting for you for to get together with this person they have to dump you also in a very dramatic way where yes. you have a very emotional reaction people feel very sad for you yes. and they want to see you shine yeah so, like I mean, not everybody has to be a Becca Cuffrin where you get pretty much humiliated on television. Right. In live TV. I mean, if he didn't want to humiliate her, he would have never let her cry in that sort of lighting. Like, no. that was so fucking disrespectful of fucking Ari. God. And I mean, Stop. you also have to be willing to, like, be a piece of shit, too. Like, you have, it kind of goes both ways. But the Bachelorette talk was kind of the first time they aired that, where people were openly accusing others of being on the show not even for the wrong reasons but for literally wanting to become the bachelorette like as a stepping stone yeah i mean it was interesting we found people like some like for example this past season tasha's calling out um she's calling out kaylin and i think it was kaylin and uh what's cassie, cassie. oh my god white girls no uh, i mean honestly like, blonde pine yeah, cones, blonde, like, blonde pine cones don't yeah i could never but, i can't tell them apart i honestly forgot her name while i was talking like mid-sentence talking to you yeah no i know it's it it's just generic white girl it yeah. is like generic generic white girl with but, the beach waves that she does with the curling iron like bitch i've seen the tutorial like your hair is not that great <laughs> Um, so, uh, anyway, so, so Tasha's accusing them. Meanwhile, we find out later that Tasha allegedly broke up with her serious boyfriend a day before filming started. So, clearly, I don't know how many Nobody's people Nobody's innocent. Nobody's innocent. And Tasha was smart enough not to get called out like no. that one dummy from Lindsay's season. Oh, God, yeah, what's, um... He's not important enough to remember. Exactly. Exactly. No, Tasha was smart, and then she pulled her own, she owned her own narrative at the end because she did not make this... Did, awful scene that hannah g made when she was getting dumped of this just like oh my god in in our group text thread yeah all of us were asking (laughs) why is she still talking like i literally walked out of the room did something somewhere else came back and she was still talking i used up all my five candy crush lives while Mm. she was talking it went on it went on Ugh. Ugh. i mean are you ready to talk about this finale we can circle back to some other stuff in a minute yeah I mean, since we're here. We're here. It's, holy Okay, sh- so do you think, I hate asking this question because it's so gross, and I can't believe we've been obsessed with somebody's virginity for this long, but do you think he's still a virgin? I don't think he is. I thought that all this buildup, and poor Chris Harrison couldn't even get a fucking straight answer out of no. him. No. Chris, you've been doing this for how long now? You can't, you've picked up zero journalistic skills in that time? I mean, actually, I, I actually want to talk about the premiere, because that premiere of this season was one of the most batshit crazy things I have ever been exposed to, and it was definitely one of the weirder things that our group of friends have subje- willingly subjected ourselves to for three consecutive hours with commercials. Oh my god. Does anything ever need to be that long? Okay, I just want to talk about the above-ground jacuzzi (laughs) that was in the Fonda parking lot on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. Where we had Goose 
and that and Crystal, Crystal. fucking ba- like Hi. I mean as Todd pointed out our friend the only man the only man in our fantasy league and pointed out to us he's like if they're sitting in there for three plus hours like you're cooking from like you're gonna get someone's getting on an STD. Someone's I mean, getting... not definitely that, but he's like the heat. Like you, you're not supposed to be in hot tubs for no. three plus hours. No, absolutely not. And then they have random strangers lining up oh. to get in a hot tub, tub with these two fucking people. And then there's more. And oh, then yeah. Chris Harrison Never. comes outside and he's like, "Hey, put Ryan Seacrest on the guest list, bitch. Seacrest ain't coming to this no. shit. No, he's what got seven jobs. About? He's got seven jobs. Leave him alone. Good I bet God. Ryan Seacrest can vault over a fucking gate, you bitch." <laughs> Oh my god, I could not handle it. When fucking Chris oh Harrison god. was like, we need to call the police, I'm like, sir, on a 26-year-old oh. virgin in Portugal, no. no. Let him run into the no. inky blackness of the evening. Oh. I don't fucking no. care. There, it, it can only get better for, for him in, oh. the, in that darkness. <laughs> and again, I had stated it multiple times, and I don't typically, whatever, I sound like every other person that's like, I don't usually say this, but here I go. Unless Colton... Was gonna lose it to Billy Eichner. I truly don't give a shit who he ended up with, and I don't care about him losing his virginity. But I thought him being coy at the end of all of it was very fucking annoying. I mean, maybe it's out of embarrassment of how it went down. Yeah, it was bad. All ten seconds of it. Yeah, I guarantee you it was terrible. Just like, uh, uh. But at least you guys were in a foreign country. Oh, yeah. Right? That's, that's gotta that's count sexy. for something. That's I mean, so honestly, little. it seemed like when he was like, Cassie, give me a second chance to come to Spain. She was like, I all I heard was Spain, and yes. Yes. <laughs> I just remembered the premiere, um, the tribute to Chris Harrison. <laughs> His mom's there. It's like an emotional... <laughs> I mean, you you could just see Chris Harrison's, like, discontent and, like, the Realizing, world weariness of just being like, oh, shit. I equate it to, I don't know if you've ever seen Mr. Holland's Opus, the movie with Richard Dreyfuss, where he's a music teacher. Oh, my teacher. God. There's yes, a, the I watched scene. it in music class yeah. in, like, middle school. So the final scene, it's, like, his students cheering him on in the auditorium. <laughs> it's, like, three generations of students, and they've come back, including, like, the governor was his student who couldn't play the clarinet in the 60s, and it was like that. No, it definitely felt a bit like a, like a Rudy moment. Yeah, it really did, and, and, <laughs> and but you, unless, but then you could see the reaction in Chris's eyes, and you just knew he realized, Jesus, this is my Rudy moment. Yeah, he just and looks it, exhausted what, all was, the time. You could see the existential crisis what <laughs> taking ha- place. Just... He looked like Jennifer Gardner during the Oscars oh that one God. year when she clapped and then realized something. That's Chris Harrison's face. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all of this hullabaloo and fucking four hours of our lives wasted. I mean, I fast-forwarded a lot through that second part, mostly because I just wanted to get to see who The Bachelorette was going to be, because this was probably the first time in a while where I was like, you probably have three solid Bachelorette prospects out of this season you know it's bad when during the time that they have announced the bachelorette chris harrison had to pressure hannah to hand out a rose like that's how boring this finale was oh i thought that that she came up with that kind of on her own no he well she kind of came up with it she was like oh i'd give a rose tonight and then chris is like would you oh yeah chris is like let me fucking turn (laughs) this ship around producers rose please oh did you did you notice all of those pas in all black suddenly rushing the stage and like moving everything to have this happen that was something i mean of course it was gonna be the dude who raps and honestly if i see another fucking white person rapping on this goddamn show i will lose my mind so i did go to reality steve this morning to find out so he announced 15 of the contestants including told us a little bit more about the guy who basically said he would go down on her 
Um, oh my god! He works in. He's from DC. Respect. Uh, what <laughs> respect for making a no? Pussy I'm kidding. Joke I'm like TV. the first. Is that like that's a hint at pseudo feminism? Like a feminist woke bay? That you know it's bad with the Bachelor franchise when the closest thing you can get to a woke bay is like a guy making innuendo to going down on you. Like that. Well, at least it, at least he made the innuendo and both people understood it. Yes. Unlike Colton. <laughs> And he was like, oh, can you explain what whacking a bush is? I was like, bitch, I've had enough of you. No, no. Oh, God. I've had enough of you, you beast. I banish you. You and your fake fucking NFL career. Give me a oh fucking break. Yeah. Talk about a goddamn fraud. Oh, my Why God. isn't that a bigger scandal? He wasn't really an NFL player. Meanwhile. He was on practice team. No. He's as much of a fucking NFL player as I am a screenwriter. Like, we're not. So, come to terms with it. <laughs> You know, like, and meanwhile, in Australia, they're getting a PhD physicist. And he's actually really cute and, like, really super adorable. nerdy. Like, that's, like, what? He is the guy you want to, like, end up with. I know. He's yeah. super cute. He's, like, a grocery store Joe, but, like, smart. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he has a beautiful accent. I mean, like, just, <laughs> meanwhile, we get white garbage. I know. I mean, what was your NPR quote that was like, oh, yeah. it's Linda white Holmes. people marrying white people? Yeah, as Linda Holmes said, who I adore, a story of uh, almost entirely of a white person picking the next white person, and of that white person then picking another white person, and then everybody shrugging and saying, quote, I just went with my gut. That's literally the season in a nutshell, so oh let's my put God. the season to bed Ugh. and talk about... The other more fun parodies. Well, actually, no. Unreal was not a fun parody, no. but it was very good and very dark. And what's interesting is it's created by Marty Noxon and then Sarah, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro, who is in fact a Bachelor producer for three seasons, I believe. And she goes into the Frankenbiting that we were talking about earlier, where it's like you just see all the tactics. I think the thing that I remember the most about that first season is the opening when we first see Sherry Appleby. She's on the oh, ground in the of limo. the park with a feminist, a giant with a gray T-shirt with giant feminist in big letters, while she's like orchestrating probably the least feminist thing. She on makes the a planet. woman pee in a champagne bottle or something, if I remember correctly. Um, but the I have a fun behind the scenes tidbit about Unreal. It ended up getting picked up by Lifetime because uh, what's her name? Sarah Gertrude Shapiro made Unreal was a short first, and somehow Lifetime saw it and greenlit. Oh, really? This, yeah, and I mean, I think she packaged it with Marty Knoxon, and then that sort of like what ended up getting them on Lifetime. And I thought this was like a really smart departure for Lifetime to kind of get into more serious dramas. Unfortunately, it sort of like went by the wayside, sort of almost immediately once Marty Knoxon had left the show to do other stuff. Probably, I mean, she went on to do like Sharp Objects, and oh, she yeah. had that anorexia movie on Netflix. I am a huge Marty Knoxon stan. Love her. Listen to her episode on Keep It. She's fucking great. Um, after she left, it kind of like, it, I mean, the show kind of became what Lifetime is. Exactly. And it got so much critical praise. I want a fucking Peabody a for Peabody. Christ's sake. Like what? <laughs> and Mike Fleiss was so threatened by its accuracy that he had like come out and been like, "It's bullshit." But honestly, I don't really know what Mike Fleiss looks like. But the dude who's the EP of Unreal, I imagine, looks exactly like Mike Fleiss. Don't tell me what he looks like because I don't want to see it. Well, and I'm <laughs> thinking now what the EP on <laughs> Unreal looks like. He kind of looks like what would be what you think Colton's dad would look like. Do you see what I mean? A right. Well, bit? Colton's dad does have like a bald pastor. Vi- I mean, he is bald, but he has like a pastor vibe to him, like youth pastor. <laughs> There's something about his like even keeled tone and uh, like, I don't know, trusting your gut and like whatever other nonsense he said to his fucking golden retriever son. 
Um, the other notable parody that came out of The Bachelor is Burning Love, which oh, is yeah. one of the fucking funniest shows. Uh, like, it's up there. I want to say of all time. I feel like that's kind of broad, but... I mean, I really like Ken Marino's season, but June Diane Raphael as The Bachelorette is genius comedy. It is so fucking funny. If she doesn't make you laugh, then you have no I, soul. I adore her so much. I root so hard for June Diane Raphael and for Casey Wilson. Like, if I didn't love the... Paul Shear so much, I would say that they should just get June to be The Bachelorette, just because I would love to see how that, like, real-life farce would play out. Yeah. But she's amazing. Both seasons of Burning Love. They were on Yahoo, weirdly and enough. And Hulu, then, right? Are they on Hulu now? And yeah, because that's yeah. where Hot Wives is. Yeah, yeah. And and I so I found myself getting a little confused with the two because I'm thinking Casey Wilson is Hot Wives and then... Uh, Casey Wilson yeah. is Hot Wives. Hot Wives, yeah. Even though... I, I don't know if she was a... No, I don't think that she was a, cont- a contestant on the first season with uh, Ken Marino. No, I don't think so. Well, okay, before we sign off, do you want to do my quick half-bachelor game? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to turn my body away from you so you can't see my computer screen. Okay, I'm looking, I'm looking in the, I'm looking at Murray right now, our, our <laughs> producer, producer. Our executive producer. Hey, Boston Rat Terrier. Okay, I only have a couple here because all of the bachelorette ones you already know. Okay. Are they still together? Season 3 bachelor, Andrew Firestone, and Jen Chef. No. Good. Season 6 bachelor, uh, Byron Velvick and Mary Delgado. No. Accurate. Uh, season 10 Bachelor, Andrew Baldwin and Tessa Horst. No. Exactly. There are no bachelors <laughs> that are still together with who they either propose. These are all dudes that had actually proposed. Because if you go through the bachelor list, you'll notice that not a ton of proposals no. actually ended up happening. No. And even less of them are still currently together, with the exception of Jason and Molly, which you know because they trot them out at every opportunity. And now, uh, oh yeah, and then, Ari- like, and then there's Sean Lowe and yeah. Catherine, and they just had a baby again. Another people that they trot out constantly. Oh yeah, they also trot out Ben Higgins for whatever fucking reason. Oh my I god, don't even know. I think one day when Harrison is like, I've had enough. I, I say Higgins is going to be the host. He is perfectly inoffensive. It's my prediction. In in the next three years, Ben Higgins will be the host. This is March thirteenth, twenty nineteen. <laughs> uh, the other couple that's still together are Ari and Wow, 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 Emily. Oh gosh, we talked about The Bachelor for almost an hour. Can that's you, can you believe? I I I can't even. <laughs> and you can follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Margs, she wrote. And I am at Emily A. Bejin, B-E-G-I-N, like the word begin. Are you going to spell your last name every time? Maybe <laughs> after episode five, I'll stop. Because <laughs> if you haven't got it by now, then listen to an old episode, I suppose. All right. Until the next hot topic from years past. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.